And that's why I think this is a great podcast to do because if anybody lives in an area, you know, has been working with academic relations with their chapter, that's what I did for years before this, you know, um, start talking to your schools, like reach out to me, I'll, I'll help. I know Desiree is a great resource. Uh, just with that initial, like, would you be interested in, in teaching a class, starting a program? This episode is brought to you by Green Skies Analytics, an audit analytics service provider that works with internal audit departments that have data analysts and are still frustrated with trying to make analytics actually work, aren't getting the expected ROI, who can't break through the communication barrier between the analysts and the audit team, and those that need experienced direction through an audit analytics strategy and process. Those that feel like they've wasted time and money on trainings, aren't getting the value they want, not prioritizing the highest risk areas for the organizations, or have projects that seemingly never get completed. Do you deal with any of that? If you do, go to the show notes of this episode and click the Green Skies Analytics link, or go to greenskiesanalytics.com to schedule a call and understand how Green Skies Analytics makes analytics actually work for internal audits. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Audit Podcast. I'm your host, Trent Russell. Today on the show, we have Amanda Jo Irvin. She is the Director of Internal Audit Education at MSU of Denver. She's also the President and Founder of Audit Consulting Education, LLC. She does a lot of ethics training, a lot of fraud training. In all likelihood, if you've gotten ethics CPE in the past six years, it's probably at some point come from Joe. Uh, I know I saw her in person at my local chapter years and years ago. I think it was a full day, maybe half a day on ethics. So I remember just being like, I don't really want a full day on ethics training. That sounds terrible. And it was actually really entertaining. And so I think she was on episode 19 of the, the podcast. I think we called it something the effect of like making fraud not boring or, or something to that effect. I'll be honest, Joe was the one that told me about it being episode 19 when she jumped on. Uh, well, we did the recording, and so I'm not sure what if that's even close to the title, but I think that's about right. Anyway, all right, so that's what uh, Joe's always kind of been known for. She also hosts the Fraud Retreat. It's an in-person conference every August in Denver. So there's a link to that in the show notes, and she mentions it also, so you can register for that. Uh, I spoke at it last year. It's a really good conference. Joe does things. I would say innovative for a conference. I just things that I've never seen be done at a conference to keep it towards not just, oh, let me go hear this speaker. All right, let me go get a cookie. Let me go hear this speaker. Let me go get another cookie. I hope there's still cookies. Let me go get a, okay, there's still cookies. Let me go hear this speaker. So it's a really well thought out, creative conference. Um, so check out that, be sure to register. I'm speaking at it again, so I will see you out there. Overall topic for today from Joe is about her role at MSU of Denver. And really we kind of talk about how we can get more students involved students in higher ed, how we can get them involved in internal audit and how we can get them placed into positions in internal audit as a way to help really build out the profession, help with hiring, help with retention, as opposed to like, all right, let's go get another CPA uh, that maybe took an audit class or an external audit class. Uh, this is significantly more focused on internal audit. So we talk about how to do that, how Joe set it up at MSU, how she's continuing to grow it. And for those that are interested and you kind of get this itch of like, oh, that'd be really cool to implement at my university or university I went to, uh, Joe is open to those conversations as well as other folks at the IIA. So with that said, this feels like the longest intro I've done in a very long time. Here we go. I just wanted to take a, a minute to kind of catch up and have the audience catch up with us. 
So you're still doing, you're speaking on fraud and ethics, right? So if people still want to have you come in, speak to their IA chapter or whatever other event, you're still doing that. Is that right? Absolutely. Fraud, ethics. And I've done, you know, what's funny is since my new job, which we'll talk about, I've done more, I've gotten back to my roots of doing more internal audit trainings really in the past year. So it's been super fun. I've, I passed some ethics on to, you know, our friend, Elizabeth McDowell, who's got a great ethics program and. I got to do things like my rethinking internal audit at our last IIA chapter event. So anyway, yes, I am still doing it. But as you'll see, a lot will be in May. Like I've got like six gigs in May after the semester ends. Okay, perfect. All right. I think we've teased it up enough. Uh, so you're still doing that. What are you doing now? And uh, we'll just leave it at that. Like just tell the audience what you're doing. Because I know you, a lot of the audience is probably familiar with you. you you've hit that IA speaking circuit for years and years now. So update us. What are you doing? Or they've been your podcast listeners since episode 19, because I looked this morning and I've been around. I appreciate you looking up the episode number for us. Thank you. <laughs> I know. I was like, I I want to know what number I was. Um, okay. So um, as you can see from my attire, although if you're listening, you can't see, I have my MSU Denver uh, t-shirt on. Funniest thing, when I took my full-time faculty role, at MSU Denver, my colleagues all say I went and literally bought out the bookstore. I ha I now have like a closet full of, because I get to be more casual and wear the college t-shirts, right? And hoodies. And anyway, uh, a year ago, just January, 2023, I took over the internal audit program at MSU Denver. It is the only program in the state of Colorado. So the only school that truly is teaching three internal audit classes. We are an IAEP school. So one of 66. 66, 56 colleges and universities that are on the IIA's list. It's the, I always get it wrong, but the Internal Audit Educational Partnership Program. So really neat to be actually supported by the IIA, you know, obviously our professional body to say, yes, your courses are up to par and you should be teaching the next generation of our internal audit leaders. So that's, that's what I'm doing now full time. Okay. And so the IAEP, this is what I was curious about. It is what sponsored by the IAA. What's the relationship there? It is. It's, so it's, I think it started through the foundation, right? We wanted to get that education um, in the, in the university level of uh, the programs. And so um, you have to apply and literally there's three levels of IAEP schools. And so we started, um, my predecessor got us into foundation level in 2021 and literally uh, do today, I sent it off yesterday, I'm applying for comprehensive level, which is the next next level up. So super excited, 160 page application. Uh, but yeah, they look through it, all of it. They have an academic committee uh, that looks through your syllabuses and, and the resumes for all your professors and um, you know talk about things like, do you have an internal audit student organization? And how does the chapter get involved with your school? And Lots of questions, obviously. They want to make sure you're you're supported all around by your your department chair. I've got a letter from my dean of my college of business, you know, along with the Denver chapter. So it's um it's a really cool partnership that okay. they have. That was that's what I was curious is why do we not see or hear more about these programs? And I think you answered part of it with the fact there's a hundred and sixty page application for the second level. But in addition to that, like I know the only experience and that I had with this was um, with a group out of Louisiana State University or LSU that's been doing it uh, for seemingly forever. And we were we sponsored a conference and my, our booth, the Green Skies booth, was right beside the LSU booth. 
for those that watch the YouTube clips or can just pick up on the accent of mine, uh, my favorite college football team hates LSU and vice versa. And so, of course, I went up to him and we started talking college football. And he kind of pulled up his sleeve and showed me his watch and said, Roll Tide. And he's an Alabama fan, too, leading the internal audit charge for LSU. All that to say, LSU was really the first one that I'd ever heard of. And again, this was 15 years after I graduated. So why do we not see more of these? I mean, seriously, I'm sure the 60-page, 160-page thing's not a deterrent. But why do we not see these? And who should be, like, making the push? Because... Let me finish my thoughts. Sorry. I'm okay, going. You're good. You go, keep going. Just talking to someone about how for the past couple of years, hiring retention has been the issue for CAEs for especially, I'd say, since 2020. And so if that's the case, I mean, why would you not want these programs in the universities and colleges around uh, the world? But obviously we, where we live in the U.S. to be able to promote it because it's usually hey, I'm an accountant, and I guess I can either go be an accountant or I can go do public accounting or I can go to internal audit as opposed to, nope, here's the audit-specific thing and where you're going to learn the differences between the two and why you probably should take this path other uh, than some other, other ones. So why do we not see more of these and who should lead the charge on getting more of them going? Great question, and I I have to, in case anybody from the IIA is listening, the 160 pages includes a lot of stuff, right? So, like, the application itself maybe ended up 12 pages, with, but you have to do a five-year business plan, you know, so that's another 10 pages. But anyway, you're including lots of syllabuses, lots of resumes, um, lots of other stuff. Anyway, um, I think personally it's because of our academic system, the way it's, it is, um, for example, my internal audit program lives under the accounting department. I would much rather it live just probably under the College of Business, right? You don't need to be a CPA to be a great internal auditor. Um, you know, Not to say that that's bad. I have my CPA. You know, I never tell a student not to get it if they want it, but um, it's it doesn't have a, a very clear home. And so nobody knows where to put it, first of all. Uh, and I think that it's just this tradition in universities, the focus has been on external audit and rarely any have an internal audit class. So it's literally starting a whole new class and in academia, let me tell you, one change takes years, right? So a new class, um, you know, getting it in that catalog, it took me two years to get, uh, between me and my predecessor to get a new internal audit certificate in our catalog. It's now in our catalog for fall of 2023. But anyway, everything's slow moving It you know to get a program started and to even get a class started. And I think there's not enough internal audit professor or professionals that want to come back and be professors either. So, you know, that's another thing, just having the people of interest. You've got lots of people that'll come back and teach accounting or, you know, want to teach a course at night. Um, but it does. It takes a lot of work to start a program. And that's probably why there are there isn't nothing. There's nothing foundational existing anywhere that they can build on. Um, you mentioned LSU just real quick. They're excellent, right? I'm pretty sure they were the very first IAEP school. They are a center of excellence. And what I see and where I want MSU to grow is I want it to be the hiring pool for the Denver area, you know, chapter for the Denver area chief audit execs. I have 15 chief audit execs and directors and managers on a board um, that advises me on what should be in my curriculum you know, what they want to see to to hire directly from school, because that's another, another untraditional thing, right? 
we don't hire internal auditors straight from school. We hire them out of external audit or, you know, they've had some work experience. But if I can prove to them, I've got them through this program, I'm even giving them a certificate. My question to the Denver area chief audit execs is, would you hire them? And the answer was yes. And so that's where I want to build a center of internal auditing, you know, here, and that's their hiring pool. So we don't have those issues that you just mentioned. That's really my end goal, right? And I think that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense now, knowing what it takes to get it launched. I think there's plenty of people that will go, yeah, I would teach a course a couple of days a week or, you know, a, something that affect a night class, whatever, but it's everything else. And having been an FTE data analyst for audit in higher ed, I know exactly what you're talking about, can empathize with the, the pace of change uh, amongst other political uh, issues that you have to deal with. So that makes a lot more sense then. Yeah. And the IIA is doing great. You know, Desiree at the IIA, who's kind of taken over the program, you know, she is trying to get it out there and say, you know, spread the word. And that's why I think this is a great podcast to do, because if anybody lives in an area, you know, has been working with academic relations with their chapter, that's what I did for years before this you know, um, talk, start talking to your schools, like reach out to me, I'll, I'll help. I know Desiree is a great resource. Uh, just with that initial, like, would you be interested in, in teaching a class, starting a program? I think any of us are willing to help. So. Okay. And who is that Desiree who? Desiree Rivera at the IIA. Okay. We'll link to Desiree's, um, LinkedIn or some kind of contact info for people that want to reach out to Desiree, but then obviously Joe's on LinkedIn and through her website, I'm sure you can get in contact with her if you want to launch this type of initiative. The thing that I thought was interesting is the, you talked about, we don't hire typically auditors straight out of school. They have to have usually some kind of experience, but it seems like in the, the time that we've talked about this program that you're running now, they get that experience. And I know from my personal experience, I was an MIS major when we were highly encouraged to get internships before we graduated. And the faculty was great about hooking us up with companies and they had the relationships. And they also, we had our senior year, you, you did both semesters, a project, an MIS related project for legitimate companies, you know, uh, Procter and Gamble, Coca-Cola, um, those are the two that I remember because that's what I was on or new course still is the second one I was on, but those went on my resume. So by the time I graduated, I had three legit work experiences and people go, all right, there's really not a whole lot of other people outside of your program that have that. So I guess we'll hire you. You seem pretty good. So anyway, I think that you know, is extremely important to have that. It should be, in my opinion, if I was running any kind of school it would be like, you're getting real world experience while you're here. I don't care about the books as much. And we're going to make sure you get internships. I mean, this is why I build in real internal audit projects into my class. And I tell my students, if you need help putting this on your resume, ask me because I've had students go, okay, I loved your class. I want to be an internal auditor. Here's my resume. Will you look at it? And I'm like, where is anything that we did? You know? And so I, I do like add that. That's an extra bonus help of my job, right? Like, yes, let's put that on there. So with that said, the way I wanted to ask this question that I don't think about it is tell us about the MSU Denver internal audit department. Oh, um, you mean my students? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So my title officially is director of internal audit education. They threw that at the end, but my grad students are the auditors. 
So when they start in my class, I tell them, you're not a student this semester. This is basically an internship. Um, you, they, I make them change their email signatures, right? Like you are a student internal auditor. I do have them put student because, you know, we don't want to represent ourselves as a, you know, as, as an actual department, but we are. I mean, that's, that's how we function. Uh, last semester, we did a risk assessment because we hadn't done one in, in too long. I'll just put it that way. But um, we are doing now everything a real internal audit department does. Last semester, I had my student, uh, one of my students follow up on 34 open issues because we didn't really have a process and I saw it as a gap, right? That's, we're supposed to be doing that. So anyway, yes, my grad students are the auditors. They are doing a fantastic audit right now. We just kicked off yesterday, super fun. And it's great for me. That's like what I was saying at the beginning is I am back to my roots now, right? Like I started in internal audit in 2005 left in 2018 and yes i've had clients and consulting work but i am like you know back to where i you know i'm picking the audits we're kicking off we're closing out we're reporting to the board and i love it it's just it's been awesome so that's what i was curious about if you have a student internal audit department who are they reporting to well i guess i mean you know this is kind of one of those like I'm not the internal audit director. They do report to me like my guidance. We all collectively report to the CFO like, um, you know, a, an organization would between the C CFO and CEO. Um, we work very, very heavily with the CFO. And in fact, he funds part of this program. He funds part of my salary in order to run this program um, because he relies on the students. This was decided over 10 years ago at MSU. They had an internal audit department. Was it looking at the things that they thought it should be. And so they said, Hey, let's, let's try this program out. And it's just, it's been great. Um, you know, I, I have my, I have my moments where I'm like, Oh, we're not doing enough. Right. Because I was an internal audit director. So I don't get enough students to cover what I would want to every semester. Let's be honest. Um, so there's been some really honest, uh, conversations with our board of trustees at the university. Do we need some supplemental internal auditors? So be on the lookout. I might be posting, <laughs> posting for jobs, but anyway, I don't think it would take away from what the students are still doing. So, so your students are, are living the real internal audit life. You are living the real internal audit leadership life. When you said that, uh, you're, you're worried that you don't have enough coverage. That's probably, I think every audit leader can hit the that position. And I hate that word. Like I go on my soapbox because it's not about coverage. It's about covering the risk, right? I mean, it's, it's not about covering. There's no way I need to cover the whole university, but you know, are we looking at things like cyber, like we should be and you know, those kind of things. So. so with that said, what are the, some of the audits they've done or what's something that you have coming up that you're excited about or that they're excited about? Yeah. So, um, gosh, we've, I mean, we've really done some great things. So our university has gone from, um, like just exorbitant, like 10 times of the amount of um, funding and donations recently. So last semester, we looked at um, the university foundation. So how are we raising money? You know, they looked specifically at the pledge process. We're getting all these pledges. What's the percentage that we're actually getting in money? And so, um, you know, got to do a little bit of data analytics in that project, which was fun. Uh, this semester, we are um, focusing on a big initiative at our university, which is called the Health Institute. And they have literally 14 grants between state and federal and foundation grants, uh, private donors that are giving millions and millions of dollars. I mean, they have one that's over a $10 million grant. 
uh, and they are building a simulation lab on our university. And this is all, I mean, if you think about it, it's all about retention of our university. Colorado's number one employer is healthcare. And so this health institute covers 10 departments, you know, healthcare, all medical professions, nutrition, wellness, engagement, everything. Um, and so it's just, it's been this huge initiative for six years at the university and they just keep growing and growing and expanding and expanding and their processes aren't expanding with their growth. And so they asked us to come in and advise them on like, how can we make things more consistent and, you know, doable because they've just grown so much so fast. Um, and so it's, it's a great, like, it's less of an assurance and more of an advising for these students this semester, which I like, and it's a huge initiative, which I like being involved in. Right. So, so how many from that program last year then are now internal auditors? So um, I know this might not seem like a huge conversion rate, but two in that class. So that class is capped at 10 grad students. Um, and so two in the spring um, loved it. And uh, we know worked with them, put it on their resume. They're both senior internal auditors now. So I, I mean, I feel like it's a huge win, right? They were one of them. And to be clear, our grad students usually come back because they want to do something different, right? So one of them was already a revenue accountant. One of them was an external auditor for a nonprofit firm. So they had, you know, some work experience under their belt, but immediately were able to switch to internal audit and are super successful right now. So, and love it. All right, Joe, as your uh, second appearance on the show, and I think the first, uh, I'd have to think about this. I know we did a lot of repeat guests last year at, when we did our Beacon Award winner series. I think you're the first repeat guest outside of that list, though. So congratulations there. Very special. <laughs> Thank you for that. For whatever right. that's worth. Yeah, I know. You're going to be over the moon thinking about that. Um, I am. But, I... Uh, with that said, the show hasn't changed a ton in, in terms of structure. We always like to leave the guests with the last word. We always tell people that I just ask questions. It's the guest show. Uh, I literally just ask the question. So with that said, I want to give you the floor. What do you want to leave the audience with? Uh, I want to leave the audience with, I just invited Trent to be a repeat guest at the conference I host every year in yes. Denver. Yep. Uh, so you want to come August 8th and 9th. Trent is going to be, okay, chat GPT analytics, right? Okay, so how cool is that? But anyway, it's a fraud retreat. So I started this conference because I was seeing a lack of fraud options in the Denver area, specifically in person. And so I had this great idea pre-COVID, right? Uh, so it got delayed, but this is my third year and it gets bigger and better every year. Uh, with Trent's help, we just booked Cynthia Cooper to be a keynote. And because I draw obviously a lot of internal audit crowd, I think she's going to be fascinating um, because day one is going to be about fraud, fraud prevention, litigation, strategies to catch fraud, you know, like daddy analytics. Day two, we're going to talk about culture, being a whistleblower, bringing somebody in that runs a hotline. You know, I, yeah, it's just going to be like, it's going to be a little bit different this year. And I think it's going to be really educational. Um, and we're ending the day with a comedian who is literally called the undercover employee who has some stories about culture. So it's, it's going to be great this year. 
Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from The Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.